Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Fast check. How are we all doing with our corporate fast? Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, we as a church, we're currently going through 21 days of hunger. We're, we're corporately fasting together. And, um, and so it started last week. And uh, so we're seven days, seven days into, into our fast. And um, four or five days, you'll know that some of the physiological changes begin to take place. The liver and muscles store the glucose and release it into the bloodstream whenever the body needs it. That's its energy source. However, when you're fasting, you're, you're cutting off that sugar. The process changes. You go into a fasting mode. And then, then, then your, your body almost goes into like some serious starvation. And at this point, a person's metabolism kind of slows down. Um, rather, rather than going towards the glucose, because now you're, you're cutting that glucose storage within the liver, your body then has to go to other stored energy source. Do you know what that energy source is? <laughs> Starts trimming it down. This is a byproduct. We're not, we're not fasting to trim it. We're fasting to kill it. Let's not lose sight of what the fast is about. It's mortifying the flesh, killing off the flesh, so that then the spirit man can rise up and become stronger. So we feed the spirit and starve the flesh. Amen? Yes. Nothing teaches our flesh to submit to the spirit more powerfully than fasting. And it's a bitter death blow to the flesh. And once the flesh is mastered by fasting, once you can master your belly and tell it, no, I'm in charge. Yeah, that flan looks real good, but I ain't going to eat it. You, you, you get the discipline over your flesh. Sometimes it's hard, especially when you like to eat. But if you could, if you could deny your body something that it absolutely needs to survive, then, 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 then you could gain control of it over the things that it doesn't. Pornography, uh, um, idolatry, sexual immorality. You begin to be able to then gain control over the flesh. And you direct it. Who's, who's the boss? The belly or the spirit? Let's, let's, fasting gets the spirit in its position. Amen? And we have the scriptures to fall back on in regards to correction, direction, and instruction. And um, it, should, it should be the Christian's default reaction, reflex, is to go to the scriptures and when it comes to um, decision-making. Amen? Amen? Okay. I'm going to give you an intro because we're not going to be able to, to, to go into um, uh, the message in its entirety. I have a lot of scriptures. Amen? I believe, I believe, what do we believe as Christians? What is it that we believe? What unites us? You've got all of these different denominations. You've got all of these different divisions. You've got all of these different, you know what I'm saying? Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's, who's, who's on the forefront? Which one is the oldest? Which one's the one that goes directly? Huh? You know, in the world of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where opinions and speculations along with short-sightedness, personal interests, um, all this 
Confusion turns truth into distortion. It distorts the truth. You know, when you take a, when you take a test in school and you do the true and false, right? If any part of the statement is false, the entire statement is false. And, and the greatest lies that the devil will ever tell you is going to have 95% truth in it. It's going to sound good. It's going to tickle your ear. Man, in your mind, it's even going to make sense. But if the Word of God says that it goes contrary to God's purpose in creation, who's right and who's wrong? God is always right, and let every man be wrong. The things that should be objective all of a sudden in this world becomes subjective. Half-truths being tweeted out by thousands of people constantly. Push notifications coming up on your phone. Pictures, who by the way, stories have been altered by Photoshop, are misrepresented by twisted words that would feed a desired narrative of the person who's placing the post. What do you believe? How? Why do you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you trust it? I mean, like, really trust it. Would you lay down your life on it? Would you co-sign it to the point that you would lay down your life on it? How can you distinguish the truth from the lies? How can your truth and my truth be different than the truth. If there's only one truth, right? Because truth is truth. A lot of people say, oh, well, tr all truth is parallel. No, it's not. No, it's not. There is one truth, only one truth. I mean, there's post-truth. Like, you know, certain things become true after the fact. Like, I thought it was all true, but then I learned something, and then I realized maybe it wasn't all that true. <laughs> Listen, last week we learned of Paul. Didn't we speak about Paul? Who thought he was walking righteously as a Jew in truth until he encountered the truth. And then he was officially woke. Right? Because that's what happens when we get born again. We think we know the truth. We think we have it under control. We think that we're managing this thing. And then all of a sudden Jesus Christ comes, becomes real to us. All of a sudden, the, the, the blinders are taken off. The veil has been pulled back. And we, inside, have been woke to the truth. Hallelujah. But then the things you think you know because you've read it in a trustworthy source. You heard it in a trustworthy place like school or the news. <laughs> it's all been deliberately altered to accommodate someone else's interests. History books are altered. People, people rewrite narratives and inject personal opinions and viewpoints and pass them off as facts. And or just purposely kill the truth in history by silencing it. Not speaking of it. Not repeating it. And there, the truth can disappear into the shadows of history whenever we silence it. What's your truth, family? 
As a Christian, what do you believe? Why do you believe it? As Christians, shouldn't, should we not all be united as one in Christ, as Christ is one in the Father? Today we're seeing a rapid decline of the church over, all over in the Western world. The philosophies of the day have infiltrated the pulpits and clergymen are trying to build God's church using man's systems. Three steps to your best life, you, you know, uh, uh, conquering all of this. And it's true that we can see mega churches being birthed and TV ministries being broadcasted internationally. We've even seen Kanye flip the script. Come on. Jesus is king. Woo! There's Kim Kardashian. She even changed the way her outfits have been changing. <laughs> hey. <laughs> 65,000 young people in an arena worshiping God, ushering in the new year. And while seeing some of these growth spurts is great, and as one who is extremely concerned of people's souls, I just can't help but wonder, how much of it is it true? How much of it is, how much of it, is it authentic? Is it a feel-good, scratch-tickle-your-ear religion that's going to satisfy your desires? Or is it a deep personal relationship with the living God that you can talk to and be talked to? Is it a mile wide and an inch deep? Or is his presence manifest in every arena of your life? Because let me tell you something. It's not the religious that's going to make it. It's the ones that are in relationship with the Lord. Jesus spoke to the woman at the well. And he spoke to her and told her, There shall come a time that it's not about the place. It's not about the sanctuary. It's not about the building. It's not about the brick and mortar. It's about those that would worship me in spirit and in truth. It's not a matter of the list of the do's and don'ts and, and being so legalistic. It's about allowing God to rewrite his law upon the tablets of our hearts to carry them. The conviction, the desire, the will to submit to his purpose and plan. We can't ignore the statistics. Over a thousand pastors quit the ministry every year. Churches' overall attendance is on a continual decline. What God is doing here is miraculous compared to churches and how they're suffering. Even with their systems and models. More churches close than open every year. And those, that are still, and those people that are still going to church, they are more and more increasingly becoming biblically illiterate. We can't overlook at the fact that this decline has come out largely as a result of church's acceptance of the day's philosophies, evolution, and thousands of years of influence. I always say it that what, be, what, what one generation tolerates becomes the norm for the next. 
And generation after generation after generation, we wind up letting go of our values. Oh, that's not even a fight worth fighting for. Or, you know, we can have some flexibility. We can have some compromise there. And next thing you know, we are way off course. And I got to tell you that there's been an appeal to the church to accept the philosophy of the day. And this is not new to modern times. This isn't new to us. And I'm not talking about the changes of having iPads and contemporary worship or fashionable clothing. In this aspect, Jesus really transcends culture. It's not, it's not about this. This, this helps and it produces, it allows us to create a, an atmosphere, an environment for worship. But, but how many people know we as the peak who planted this church, it don't matter whether we're in this building or we're in uh, Oscar's living room or, or, or in my dining room. We could be out on the riverfront green. When we get together, we are the church. It's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of what you hold to be true. The apostle Paul understood the challenges and that philosophy or fake news posed to the church in his day. And it's no, it's no different in ours. Listen to what he wrote to 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 3, his young protege. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy. <laughs> Man, that's a lot of that. Duplicity. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. If you instruct your brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Exercise yourself towards godliness. You know, fasting is an exercise. What we're doing corporately is an exercise towards godliness. Now, this isn't what he's talking about in regards to food. What he's saying in regards to food is, you know, swine is divine. <laughs> what, is, what he's saying that if God created it, what, what defiles the man is not what goes into his mouth. It's what comes out of it because a man speaks out of the abundance of his Heart. It's what's in your heart that a man then begins to reveal through his words. That's what's going to defile him. Not that pernil that he puts in his belly. <laughs> Hallelujah. So primarily for this purpose, right about 150 AD, this is where we can basically track this document, one of the uh, uh, oldest documents outside of scriptures that we can, you know, hold back towards that time, towards that era. Approximately about 115 years after the death of Jesus Christ. So, you know, Jesus came, born, his apostles were there. He ascended into heaven and they stood behind a generation, a generation. Those grandchildren of the apostles, the apostles were still, were still alive as, as, as elders there. 
and, and the, the faith that was transferred and given to them from Christ, they passed it down to their children. Those early church fathers, those grandchildren of the apostles themselves sat down to write a doctrine that would contain a brief summary of their teachings. I would like to present to you this morning what's known as the Apostles' Creed. This is one of those doctrines outside of Scripture that collapses time and space, uniting all true believers in the one holy and apostolic faith. Albert Moeller Jr., I'm reading his book right now, titled The Apostles' Creed. All Christians believe more than what's contained in the Apostles' Creed. But none can believe less. We all have to be united on the fundamental truths that truly are contained within this creed. It sets forth our doctrine in a sublime simplicity, in unsurpassable brevity, in beautiful order, and with liturgical solemnity. More than any other Christian creed, it may, it may justly be called the ecumenical symbol of faith. John MacArthur said that. Because every denomination adheres to the words of the creed. From the Orthodox Church to the Roman Catholic Church to the Reformed and Protestant churches, all have adopted the Apostles' Creed in one way and another. Look at the person and let them know the name of our sermon series, I Believe I believe the credo, the credo, what we believe, I believe. Through the lens of the Apostles' Creed, we will learn beyond a shadow of a doubt what we as Christians believe and why we believe it through the proof of scriptures. That's the intro. We're going to continue this next week at the Dramatic Hall. Amen. We're going we're gonna to close as I, as I speak forth the Apostles' Creed. We're going to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask also and probably um, have a little time for prayer. It's, it's, it's almost 12. Um, the presence of God has been here. I mean, we've heard some amazing testimonies. God is getting ready to do something and propel us into this next season. Family, whenever, whenever, whenever a plant that's been growing and began to produce fruit and is healthy and it's going to be uprooted from the container that it's in to then be picked up and be moved and planted into new soil, it's a very delicate process. I want everyone to understand and be aware of that. It's a delicate process. Leaves can fall off and get lost. Um, nutrition has to, has to be fed and built. I'm, I'm speaking to the leadership of this church, how important it is to stay connected with the body, to know that even in transition, because you know what? It's one thing for you guys to be going in transition and, and through your own struggles and storms in life and then, and then have another transition to come in place. Sometimes that can be a compound effect. As the pastor of this house, I'm, I'm, I'm being transparent. I'm, I'm declaring what it is, what we're waiting for, and what we're watching out for. Amen. Amen. So as we go through this transition, I want to encourage you to stay close and tight to the body. Know that we are united in Jesus Christ.
There is no color, no creed, no language, no location, no demographic that is, is outside of God's grace. I declare this morning what we believe, what unites us, and what truth cannot be disputed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born by the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He, he descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The holy, universal church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body. And life everlasting. Amen. Lord, Heavenly Father, this morning as we have gathered to worship you, we have felt your presence. We have heard the testimonies of the things that you were doing in this body and outside of this body. I pray, Lord Father God, that you would have your way. Let your purpose, let your will be done here on earth, here at the peak, as you have already declared it in heaven. I pray that every person that is here this morning, oh God, would not leave or depart from us in the same condition that they came in, but that they would be blessed, that they would be anointed, that they would be edified, oh God. I pray that the words you gave me for this church this morning would edify them, strengthen them, inspire them, encourage them, oh God, in the power of your Holy Spirit. Santo Dios. Te alabamos, Señor. Te glorificamos, Señor. Digno de ser alabado tu eres. Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.